Back to Rural Queensland today. Robbie Catter joining us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Rob, good morning. Um, thanks so much for being with us. Oh, we've been talking about uh, youth crime um, for, I reckon, three years. But when it happens in the metropolitan areas, I think eventually then it starts to become mainstream and a shocking situation where two 15-year-olds stole a car uh, in the Bay Area of Brisbane and they have caused the death of a man on a um, on a moped, on a, on a scooter. Um, and this is not only happening in Brisbane. Uh, people are scared. I mean, you know, with, with TripAdvisor warning people to go to Mount, warning of people to go to Mount Isa, like saying, please don't go to Mount Isa, be careful because of the youth crime. It has got to the point where it is beyond just a discussion anymore. The Premier, oh, she, she gives mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of lip service. There's a lot of yes, we're addressing it, but talk is cheap. Well, man, it'd be for at least last five years. The KP's been down in Brisbane, and you know they think we get angry and um, we get pretty um, wound up in Parliament. But that's the nice version of how we should be um, talking to them because it's just been so uh, chaotic. The some of the activity surrounding youth crime in Western Queensland and North Queensland, Townsville, Cairns, Mount Isa are the hotspots. They're the worst in the state. Yep. And um, outside just the Aboriginal communities themselves. But, uh, it's oh, yeah, we're hearing stories from Toowoomba and Brisbane. Now it's flowing out everywhere. It's nothing short of a crisis. Now, you know, Premier goes out on a housing crisis and she's out. And what she's talking about now, a, a treaty, Olympic Games, Energy, you know, yeah. renewable energy, wind thing. farms. That's wind all her. Farms, that's yeah. all her priority, and it's all just smoke screens to dealing with some very real problems. And they are. It is nothing short of a crisis uh, that's gripping the state, and it's definitely not getting any better. It's. It's. Uh, you could say with a fair level of certainty, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And that's. That's not me making it up, or just even talking to people affected by crime. That's talking to police, uh, magistrates. Uh, the whole gamut that's involved in this space, and their reaction has been close to nothing. Um, the, you know, the, the stuff that they've reacted with over the last four years is just, it's just laughable. And I, you know, they've pretended up until now it's not in not in our backyard. Who cares about it? It's out in the regions where no one worries about it, because um, effectively they've made no significant changes at all. Can I ask you this? When we talk about those kind of things, the opposition leader comes out and says, well, it's time to make legislative change. Now, David Christopher come out and he's been strong about it, saying, you know, like he wants something changed. I mean, you know, two mm-hmm. teens, 14 and 15, have been charged over the crash on the weekend. You've got yep. the, the, the shocking situation where a young couple um, were killed by hit and run with their daughter. You know, they was, she was pregnant, a 17-year-old jailed for six years. But, I mean... Surely we've got to get a better situation than what is it. There's stolen vehicles. Juveniles are wrecking havoc throughout the communities and people yep. are scared. So legislative change is bullcrap. I'm being honest with you. There's nothing I, – I, I don't know what, what more we can do at the moment. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, my response will be the same as what it's been for five years and I'm more, I'm more determined and more convinced that it, it's the best answer there is. Not the perfect answer, but the best answer there is is relocation sentencing. So – you can't till you create a consequence for these kids, and you know. Obviously, I have a lot of time to focus on this one uh, one issue and, and canvas these ideas uh, through all your sort of stakeholders in this space and in the back in the regions. But if until you create a consequence for the kids, uh, you're wasting your time. And and Cleveland Bay Youth Detention Centre in the north is not a consequence. If anything, 
Um, people, kids like going there now to get away from the situation they're in. So you need to create a real consequence and you need to get that, make that politically palatable to all the um, bleeding hearts in Brisbane that, you know, um, that um, want you to kiss and cuddle the kids. So the, the closest thing you can do to that is send them out to remote areas. But to do that, um, you do need a change and um, you and so you need some the magistrate to have the ability to do a, a separate form of sentencing. At the moment, all the magistrate can do is put them in Cleveland Boat Detention Centre. This is in the north, or um, and whatever youth detention centre is down in Brisbane. But he can either send them to youth detention centre, most of which don't even think that's a consequence, or put them back on the street with bail conditions. Sure. And usually bail conditions mean nothing because it just means the worst thing that happened there is go to youth detention centre. And We've had a lot of whistleblowers come and say, mate, it's a, it's a breeze. They can do whatever they want pretty much in the youth detention. So um, until you create a real consequence, but if you're saying to that kid then, hey, you're not going to Cleveland by detention centre now, mate. You're going out to Urundangi, out in the Northern Territory border. We've got a little, you know, um, we've got a little facility out there in that remote area. There's nothing much out there. You'll just be there for the next 12 months. That's a consequence. And and the good news about that is um, that's the that, that's the point where you can start to try and teach these kids who, I mean, some of these kids are just off the dial, you know, absolutely no idea of how they're supposed to act or behave because they've had very poor parenting. But if you can start to turn that on, the best chance you've got to turn that around is that remote area. And I've actually seen that work in practice, not deliberately, just I've been out to remote schools and stuff before where the kids, and literally some of them are for the worst um, behaved in Mount Isa, but they're perfect when you get you know, close to perfect when you get them out in a remote area. And um, and that's coming from teachers and people looking after them. Said so they're not a drama here. There's no phones, no nothing. And, and, you know, the good news of that for taxpayers, it's cheap as well. And so everyone can have a win out of having remote uh, relocation sentencing. But um, but the government's just, and, and I've had, you know, I've had close discussions with ministers and the Premier's office over the years, and uh, they know exactly what that answer is. And I know that there's people inside the police that want it to happen. But, um, yeah, they just, I don't know, it's not their idea or they just too lazy or complacent, mate. So, yeah, it's, um, it's interesting you know, where they're you going You reap with what it. you sow there. Yeah, you, you're dead right. Can I just talk about Energy Minister Mick Debrini revealing the government's new South Burnett wind farm project will power 230,000 Queensland homes? But, you know, like this is the renewable energy investment, like this big wind farm and la, la, la. It'll be Australia's right. largest publicly owned wind farm on, and they announced this on Monday. Now, they reckon it's going to generate enough electricity to power a city the size of the Gold Coast. What a load of crap. $776 million project, 150 turbine, generates 50 megawatts capacity. It, it, it is becoming a global renewable energy powerhouse. This is the crap that they're rolling out. This is seriously, and and I'm sorry, but it needs to be, if they're going to do this at the, at the Tarong West Wind Farm, it needs to happen. This won't be up and going for years. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know where you start commenting on this stuff. I've got... Fundamentally, I'm sure you and I have got. I certainly have nothing against renewable energy if it works and if it's good. You know, that's great. Everyone loves being kind of the environment, but there is just so much hype, um, and even from the financial world, there's so much hype around this stuff that it's running on its own steam, and everyone's getting excited without ground truthing any of this stuff. And um, we had a wind farm, this big wind farm built in Hyundai, and it didn't wasn't connected the grid flight eighteen months, two years. In fact, I'm still sure it's not properly connected up now, but it's built, and it, it, they haven't gone broke either, the developers of it, because that just proves to you how subsidised all this stuff is. Sure. 
and they're putting it in everywhere. And I'm told now we're world leaders in Queensland. Real, mate, the rest of the world is absolutely laughing their heads off at us. <laughs> you know, they're switching back to nuclear and coal, and we just had a, a test case in Australia where there was peak loading in winter, and um, and we just we were starting to load shed because we we've got too much reliance on renewables, and they're charging ahead with. It's just nuts. It makes no sense. And, and only this government would be stupid enough to keep pursuing this and trying to convince people. Um, that I, I don't think they realise with the benefit of time and hindsight that we'll be looking back and judging them for how stupid this is. But, mate, the, the fact is they've got to distract the public with some smoke screens because everything else is falling apart. Well, that's the what they've done. We that's what they've done. So if you, if you read the finer print, the decision will be made finally – at the in 2024, with construction starting, and if approved, it would be finished and potentially ready to go by 2027. Now, I mean, at the moment, everybody just thinks how wonderful that they've got a wind farm going. But the truth of the matter is, it probably will never see the light of day. But they go it with this, you, you know. Like I'm being genuine here. Like all all the the, the Tarong West wind farm in the South Burnett, that's going to how that's going to Supply power to two hundred and thirty thousand Queensland homes. I mean, please, just stop, stop. Yeah, mate. I, I know. You know, they I, like there's no, and there's not. They're going to build battery power to store this up, which I think is in the works, or they're going to talk about that. But with um, you know, um, like hydro schemes. Yeah. But it's mate. It's honestly, there's just so much nonsense. And I've got pretty good access to people in the industry around in this space, and um. And it is very, very difficult to see where any common sense or logic is being applied here. I think it's all about the politics and the optics for people. And, in, um, and you know, I think they're preying on the ignorance of people. That, yeah, you put up some solar panels and everyone feels good about themselves. But, um, you know, it, it's just nuts, mate. And it, I've always said, um, Dobbo, and I, I think there's a lot of truth to this. If they were serious about the environment, every solar panel they'd be put, putting up would be in western Queensland on the – on the uh, bore pumps and the watering facilities on stations on and on the station houses because that's where you've got diesel-generated power, inefficient diesel-generated power in all those remote areas, but they're putting up solar panels to compete with the more efficient coal-fired power and, and on our mainstream grid and, um, and houses in the city when it's competing with existing generators where you don't need the generation capacity. Why don't you put it out off the grid on remote areas and stations where you've got uh, water yeah. facilities, houses, sheds, yeah. where they don't have any, where they're never going to be connected to mainstream power. That, that makes the most sense if you're trying to reduce our carbon footprint. But no, they're not doing that. They're doing it all for show and these silly little projects on the coast. So, mate, we're, you know, one thing rest assured is the taxpayer will be paying for this nonsense. You're dead right. And, um, and we'll, be, we'll have a, a more ineffective or, um, you know, uh, well, yeah, that's just the way of saying it, the most ineffective effective and more ineffective energy grid at the end of all this. Robbie, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. I want to talk about the taxi situation and the health crisis. Robbie Catter joining us this morning on Rural Queensland Today.